welcome to Spiritful Wanderings. In our podcast today, we are having a discussion with Colleen Emery about herbal relationships. Colleen. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. So Colleen has a practice in Winlaw, BC. She runs an apothecary. She teaches classes. Maybe I will let you tell us just a little bit more about your background in herbalism. Oh, sure. Um, well, I've been involved in the healing arts for about 30 years and a practicing clinical herbalist for almost 20, as well as a clinical aromatherapist. And so what that means is that I customize herbal medicines for my clients. So I work with clients in practice and we review their current health conditions and then working with different plant medicines as well as aromatic compounds and different health supports. We, I create um, customized health programs for all kinds of people. I specialize in pre and postnatal wellness, fertility care and family wellness and elder care. So basically everybody, <laughs> if it's into that model in a certain degree, um, I've been studying herbal medicine for a really long time and I'm a lifelong learner. So I have many different sort of disciplines that I practice within um, traditional Western herbalism and uh, traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, aromatic medicine, functional lab reading. It, I mean, I just really love learning. So that for me, um, it's just always continued since the initial spark of getting involved with the herbal medicine study and and practice and so forth. Um, I, I'm a passionate, um, before I was a herbalist, I was a political activist. So for me, part of my political activism now, or my activism in general, is to speak for the plant communities, if you will, and work within um, the herbal medicine industry to allow for access points for care for people. That's really a very important fact for me or a feature for me in my practice. So I sit as the vice chair of the British Columbia Herbalist Association, and we work directly with the Canadian government to ensure that herbalists' um, right to practice and right to work with plant medicines stay um, concrete and established. Um, herbal medicine practice has a history of being <clears throat> scrutinized and taken away from the people and herbs are the medicine of the people. And this is really important to keep it in the hands of the people. So that's just a bit about me. I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about supporting plant, plant, plant sort of knowledge and really discovering origins of plant knowledge is really key for me. Acknowledging traditional um, indigenous use of plant knowledge and where us as white settlers may have gotten our, our knowledge of this plant um, growth in our communities and so forth. So working with Indigenous people um, to learn their ways as well is a really important fact for my for my practice as well. Mm. Mm. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I, I just feel, feel like this... I just got so many downloads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so much wisdom and fierceness and the advocacy just gets me so mm. excited. I mean, I felt that from Colleen the whole time I've met her. I mean, we knew each other in Calgary when we both used to live there. And 
I just felt like, wow, this woman is moving mountains and she's <laughs> just so much energy here. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Our original sort of spark of knowing each other, Rochelle, is so rich for me too. I think back to, you came to my very first um, workshop that I did on um, family care and you were there with Gabe in arms. And mm -hmm. so it was a beautiful, a beautiful moment. I think that was like, must have been 2000 five maybe yeah. or 2005 yeah. yeah yeah and and then my son gabriel did your herbal workshops for children and came home with all sorts of lovely salves and teas and tinctures that i got to enjoy yeah, yeah. absolutely yes. the herb yeah. club yeah. yeah you're really integrated into the community and it seems like now you're you're moving into a, a even global scale i've been referring people to colleen who I meet on Facebook, who live on the other side of the world, because Colleen was such an uh, integral part of my healing at one point in my life. And um, I'm just so grateful for her because I feel like you show up in a way that I've never had someone show up as a caregiver, as a, as a healer. Uh, you're available to me as I need support. And I just really appreciate the wisdom and time and energy that you seem to be able to give so many people and so many causes all at once. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a really big passion. It's a really big um, responsibility, but more so I'm so grateful to have been called to the work. And it really is quite a calling. It's, it's um, each time I've tried to step off the plant path in my adult life, I've been ushered back on given no sort of doors have closed. No, that's not your choice. Get back on the plant path. Wow. Spirit has definitely ushered me back. And in a, in a lot of ways, um, for me, I'm the conduit for the healing in a sense where I am a, a spokesperson for the plant communities, or I know how to work with them in a way they've taught me how to work with them to help people's health. So for me, the, the, the title of healer is not one that I've ever taken on, to be honest. I've always looked to the herbs as the healers and to me as the worker bee working to bring that medicine to the people and teach them teach the people how to make relationships with plants so that they become empowered to really access this on their own um, to a lesser or greater degree. Sometimes health conditions are super complex and you need somebody with training to help you, whether, whether that's a herbalist or someone else, someone else and even in the medical community. But for the larger part, a lot of people can work with herbs to really promote wellness at the ground level, so to speak, with preventative health. Foods as medicine, foods also, or herbs as medicine, and also herbs as food. And so working with the plant communities to, to really bring richness to wellness ongoing in a preventative sense is a real passion too. Mm -hmm. I always feel like when one of the, the things that I feel in your energy is I feel that how much you embody that advocacy for the herbs. It's like I can feel all the herbs sort of are with you and guiding you and supporting you. And you're sort of like this portal or this this being who you're kind of this bridge for them and you hold it with such confidence and strength. And I feel like in my own experiences with you of having is a lot of times, even just you holding that energy is what guides me into my relationship with the herbs. It's like mm -hmm. this confidence, this strength, this, it's like, I, I kind of get um, instantly this felt sense of um, 
how how confident I can be in the herbs and in my relationship with them and how to really meet it with that mm-hmm. sort of um, openness and trust mm-hmm. and clarity, you know? So great. And I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was curious, how did the herbs first show up? Like how, what was the first mm-hmm. inkling that you were meant to work with herbs? Yeah, that's such a great, a great question. And, um, you know, it's sort of when I look back at my life and I look back to my formative years, I grew up in Medicine Hat and I grew up in the sort of hoodoos and canyons of the prairie landscape with edging onto an area called the Cypress Hills. Elkwater was just 30 minutes from where I grew up. And Elkwater is this unique um, landscape that somewhat missed the missed the ice age. And so there's mm-hmm. there's a mountainous region in the middle of the prairies and it has coniferous trees and lakes and you know orchids and all this plant growth that's not indicative of the prairie landscape. And so I grew up in a really biodiverse area that you wouldn't actually think is if you if you just kind of think of the prairies and medicine hat and so forth, you think of the long sort of sprawling green fields and different agricultural systems and so forth. But um, I grew up in the 70s and early 80s in the in the uh, in that landscaping and, and really explored that in my youth and and you know played with the tumbleweeds and learned how to make friends with the scorpions and rattlesnakes and then we would go camping at the lakes the ice cold sort of glacier lakes of elk water was just like amazing so i had this huge exploration of of plant connections or sort of nature connections as a child we we came to bc every summer for six weeks and camped my dad luckily enough had a great union job growing up and we were able to take huge amounts of time away from um, medicine hat and we explored the okanagan and so i had this great sort of relationship in that landscape and then when I hit my teens, like most of us, we peer orient in our teens, and I sure did, and and became sort of, uh, you know, exploring the concrete jungle, if you will. So I wanted, I explored Europe, I went to Europe, and then I came into Calgary and became a political activist and was really involved in um, the G8 sort of protests in the 20, in my 20s and working with environmental sort of aspects. And, and I got pretty burnt out. And so my friends... We're, we're at that point. I had a friend who lived out on Sombrio Beach on uh, the west side of Vancouver Island, and she had come back to live in Calgary again, and and said, "Hey, let's go down and check out the Juan de Fuca Trail, Sombrio Beach area." And I said, "Sure." So we went in March. It was like minus thirty five when we left Calgary and got in the plane and flew off to Vancouver Island, and it was like this. We landed, and it was. From that moment on, it was this huge journey for me to let go of the sort of pavement and skyscraper lifestyle that I had been living and get back into nature and really reconnect with nature in such a profound way. And it was a really huge moment for me. My whole life shifted at that moment. I think I was about, of course, 28, right? It's like the whole Saturn return time of my life. And I decided at, you know, it was about a week long trip, everything from, from seeing like, um, you know, sea lions out in the ocean to climbing into caves, to meeting gigantic plants. It was just incredible. I, I came back to Calgary and completely changed my life. I 
quit my job. I started going to Wild Rose College and taking herbal studies. It was a profound moment for me. Everything shifted. Um, everything started to click so much easier for me as well. Um, my life flowed in a much more systematic pattern that was super easy for me to follow. I met my life partner. We decided that we wanted to move to BC and you know, homestead and develop, you know, uh, a life here where we are now. And everything just started to unfold for me from that moment on. So I really am so grateful for that spark from my friend saying, Hey, let's go out. Let's, let's check out the rugged West coast together. And, and it woke something up in me, something that I had lost. And so I think at, I was on the track when I was a kid and then I, and then I diverted for a bit and then I got back on the track. So it was, you know, in, it's in my family heritage as well. So I have a great grandfather who was a lay physician in Southern um, Saskatchewan and in, in sort of the late 1800s into the early 1900s, um, Grandpa Riling. And he, uh, you know, had the sort of um, reputation as being able to set the horse's leg as well as he could set your bone and your leg. And people would go see him before they made the big trip into Medicine Hat to go to the actual hospital and so forth. And and I, I liken him to sort of like Doc on Little House of the Prairie, Little House on the Prairie, you know, that whole story. And he obviously at that point, most, most physicians worked with herbs because they were in the medical care before they were taken out of the pharmacopoeia in 1940. And so I, I have this background that's there. I never met him, but I, I, I sure heard about him from my Grammy Olga and, and she would talk about her dad to me quite a bit. So I have this in my blood as well. And I think that's where I was informed from was to continue the path of providing for your community, basically with, with plant medicine and holistic care. Wow. Yeah. Well, it shows clearly <laughs> in the work that you do. I'm so curious, um, Colleen, about how you communicate and relate with the plants. Because what I noticed when I was working with you when I had an acute care need and Colleen was there for me. Uh, I was aware because I was taking several formulas at once and I was really aware that there was one that was not working for me. And I just, there's, there's just an awareness and a relationship that immediately is available to us. I really believe that like I've even had communications with plants in my own way. Mm -hmm. um, if you experienced that and if you could speak to that or how that developed. Sure. I can absolutely speak to that. So um, for me, um, communication with, with the plants is a sensory experience. And so it's something that I taught a lot in the children's herb club. It was all based on this concept of engaging with the plant world with your senses. So working with taste, touch, um, feeling instinct, smell, sight, all of these things will help you further communicate with the plant. And so for me personally, it has a lot to do with the sensations that I receive from the plant, whether I have a certain taste 
in my mouth or whether I have um, a certain feeling or vibrational sort of energy come through me um, when I'm in relation with the plant. So whether I'm drinking the tea or whether I'm sitting in nature with the plant or smelling its aroma from its different sort of, you know, flowers or needles or leaves or whatever it's putting off. So it's a sensory experience for me. And then I am a real researcher. So I have this uh, really balanced um, approach with my knowledge learning with plants where it's subjective and objective. So I work with myself with plants and, and I experience the feelings that I personally am having with these plants. And then I learn about the plant from more of an analytical point of view, the chemistry, the actions, the energetics as, as proposed by other herbalists or researchers and see if it relates to how I experienced it. And so I don't stop there. My experience is mine. And so I don't conclude that that's what the plant would be offering based on my own experience. I work with the idea that it, it's important to create many lenses and perception of the plant um, world to keep a really balanced approach because everybody will experience the plant modestly different from each other, just like you did with your formula it theoretically was supposed to work. And then when you took it into your body, it didn't because you had your experience with it and that can happen. And so then it's re restructured into something different and then acknowledging how you experience those herbs that were originally chosen for you from more of a theoretical point of view. So that's my own experience is, is um, a part of how I definitely am informed about the plants, but it's not the whole picture and nor should it be. A lot of people stop there, but research and learn more that objective subjective analysis lens is something I teach my students all the time and, and really help them keep balance with their schooling, you know, keep, cause it all matters. It's all, sometimes we get too sciencey in, in things and we rely too much on science. And then sometimes we rely too much on subjective analysis and, and just emotions and spirit too. So we can, if we put them together, then we have a really solid base to draw from. I think um, collaboration is a wonderful thing to think about when you're, when you're approaching this. Mm, I really felt that it's funny that you just spoke to that. Cause I really felt that in your um, talking about your journey and this place where you were so in nature and then part of the concrete jungle and then like back into connecting with the plant world and sort of this merging of worlds, you know, of like the, the, the co concrete jungle kind of representing like, yeah, science and structure and sort of like this developing and get, you know, like mm -hmm. this kind of thing. And then like more the experiential and I can really feel the power of that combination. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's was an interesting journey for me because a lot of my, I guess you would call them formative years in my education systems were book and paper and lectures and teachers and, and working with, uh, you know, mentors as an apprentice within their, within their clinic or within their lab or wherever in their workshops and so forth, but not really immersing in the wild nature. So it was always mm -hmm. a, someone's garden that they had created, or it was, you know, a landscaped area of some sort. It was always human hand had somewhat created this. 
And when we got to BC and immersed into the way that we live now, I was able to actually explore the concept of wild plant stands more intimately than I ever had before. And I had was able then to partner that with an education that was more analytical. And so that's where that subjective objective lens really developed out even more so for me is that, you know, we live off grid, we're going into our 11th year of living off grid. Um, it That intimately makes you connected to nature in the most profound way when you're generating your own electricity and you're having to be conservative with what you do based on what you can, um, per, you know, produce that day, um, you get to know what it's like to be close to the earth and, and the middle of the forest, you know, up a, a gnarly road that you have to walk in part of the year, you get close to nature. And that closeness has has further, you know, developed my practice, if you will, with herbal medicine, because it's always a practice, right? You know, always driving to, to work towards something and practicing at it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, that feels so wonderful. Mm. Yeah, I was also wondering about, I know that the way you live, like you've got a garden and you're practicing biodynamic gardening or what is it that you're, maybe you want to speak to your relationship with how you garden and those kind of rituals and relationships that you have mm -hmm. in there. <laughs> Sure, I can speak to that for sure. So when we originally um, came out years ago to the Slocan Valley and um, and uh, our goal, my husband and I and our daughter was to homestead and to have, you know, autonomy with our food um, sourcing and, and really be able to grow all our own food and access, you know, we wanted to have chickens and goats and explore all of this. And soon we realized that there were already so many people here doing this and they were doing it really well. And what are we able to contribute to our community that could come into a, you know, a trade economy and work within that realm. And so we soon started to explore our own strengths and opened up our, our business to a larger sort of profile than it was in the city. And so a lot of our focus became about the business and our gardening and growing food um, concepts became about really exploring relationships. So we started growing plants, not to harvest them, but to ex explore their life cycle and to really understand what it took to help them thrive. So what kind of soil conditions do these plants need? You know, what's their growing cycle like? What kind of light source do they need? What kind of, you know, um, amendments do we need to add to them so that they grow even better? And, and then it became about restoring different areas of our wild landscape. So instead of clearing areas for growing food, we've developed more areas to help the native plants come back and proliferate and maybe help the alien species or the sort of, if you, you know, invasive species, but I don't really like that term. They're more just, you know, the European settler species, if you will, um, help them come back a little bit into more balance with the native species. So really working with that concept that um, 
we're here to steward the land. We're here to help the land thrive. We don't need to be in charge of it. We can be in collaboration with it and in relationship with it instead. Um, a great story to this is uh, an elder in our community about five years ago gifted me an OSHA root that had a sproutlet that was coming, a little sprout that was coming out of the root. And she said to me, go home and plant this in your richest soil and try and grow it because you might be able to. And I thought, why not? Like, give it a try. OSHA is endangered. It is a threatened species in our world. Um, we live in a really cool place where we're an inland rain uh, in inland temperate rainforest where we have a lot of species that grow here that are actually endangered everywhere else in the world and so it gives us the illusion here that we have abundance where potentially we might not um, things like osha pipsisawa um, solomon seal these are herbs that are generally more threatened in other places and so um, we decided we would plant the osha root and we watched it the first year just a tiny little plant grew with a flower and, and it seeded. And then the next year, three plants grew. And then the next year, five plants grew. And now we just counted. I was just out in that area this morning before we, we met. And there's maybe, I think there's maybe nine or 10 plants this year. And they're big and they're healthy and they're happy. And we're trying to mimic its natural conditions that it would experience because of course, OSHA is a high altitude plant. And so it grows, you know, above 3000 feet above sea level, which we're not at, we're, we're much lower than that here. Is the OSHA happy here? Is it going to be, you know, medicinally active? We don't know it. Nobody's really grown OSHA at this altitude before and then put it into commerce, we probably won't. What we'll probably end up doing is proliferating the seeds and spreading them around, giving them to people who can then grow them as well. We've taken OSHA out of the botanical dispensary. We no longer offer access to the herb because it is, it is an endangered herb. And instead, you know, moving into more of the schooling of the plant and having people come and see what it's like when it's growing and, and what it feels like in its natural environment, hopefully that we've mimicked. I don't know if we have, but it feels good. It's happy. So that's the important part. The, the plant seems satisfied to be where it is. So that's, again, that's a long answer to your question, Rochelle, but oh, our, so our, fascinating. <laughs> our gardening now, we leave it to the experts is what I like to say. There's people who are super skilled in our valley at growing things, medicinal plants all the way to food, you know, agricultural systems that are really amazing. And I'm also sit as the vice chair on the West Kootenai Permaculture Cooperative, and we're invested in food security in our region through education outreach and so forth. And so I work in that capacity. I, I have a strength for organizing systems and communications, and I have time to volunteer, sort of. I like to make time to volunteer. How about we say that? And so... <laughs> So for me, instead of putting my hands in the earth every day and gardening, I'm helping those that are. And so there's people who are super passionate about growing food. And I just really want to make sure that they're well supported in our community. Mm, I love what you're speaking to there of like that, how you said the word earlier about collaboration and mm -hmm. sort of this like trusting other people in the system to hold different pieces and how much that allows you to really like really hone your um your expertise or your passion or your your medicine and mm. um it really speaks to also i feel like how plants work together and how you know when you make these these tinctures or whatever and you have these different each one has its unique thing that it's bringing and they kind of rely on all the, the others 
to fill in the other spaces, you know, and then there's this mm-hmm. like um, symbiosis, I guess. Yeah, the synergy. It's like the synergy of plant um, medicine is a profound topic to explore and learn. Um, traditional Chinese medicine knows this very, very well, the synergy of things. They understand that when you add this plant, for example, you add, um, you know, there's Angelica Tahurica is a herb in Chinese medicine. And then there's Yan Husu, which is Corydalis. And when you use Corydalis for pain, it works pretty good. But if you add Angelica Tahurica by Zhu to this, to this plant, now they work really great. And of course, it's been tested in the lab now because humans want to do that. They want to make sure they know exactly why something is working. And so they've tested it and found that the chemical constituent in Corydalis that's responsible for the pain resolution is amplified by the Baizu, by the Angelica de Hurica. And this is why it's working. But in traditional Chinese medicine, those practitioners and those people who practice that type of medicine knew this for thousands of years, 2000 years without ever having to put it into a lab because they experienced it. And it's, you know, even if you look within the sort of web of life, everything counts, everything matters, everything is holding the energy of the collective. And if we can think about that in our communities, in our formulas, in our forests, in in our food that we prepare and put on the meal for for our families, you know, all of those things, if we can think about everything in collaboration with itself, then we create a whole of many pieces, which is really strong. When we start to think of one thing that is responsible for the overall outcome, that's a pretty pretty narrow viewpoint, in my opinion. Holism is really where you find the most strength. Yeah, I definitely feel that strength, like the way that you describe this, it sounds, there's just such a level of care and respect and strength that when I think of how we've compartmentalized so much in this world and all this discrete evidence and 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 looking under the microscope at everything to see how it works that I feel like the power that I feel in my heart as you're speaking, that that comes with all of that and can hold all of that and see us through this time in the world that we're starting to really divide and pick things apart. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for being a beacon for that and showing us that, that energy, that way. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was very lucky years ago when we first got here, um, I was asked to speak about uh, Oregon grape at a permaculture event. And I, and I, in exchange was allowed to, you know, attend, I was given the gift to attend the whole uh, event. And there was a speaker there who I had not met yet, Herb Hammond, and he's a holistic forester in our region. And he talked the way he talked about the old growth forests. I was brought to tears and I had, I felt like I was at a counseling session. It had answered, it answered every possible question I had about why am I so different from my originating family? And why am I so different from conventional thought? And, and he said this profound explanation where there is either a collaboration amongst the forest where everything is in tandem to itself. So everything counts. One thing feeds the other. There's no gaps. There's no drop points. You know, it all is the smallest plant is feeding the soil that feeds the roots of the very big old growth trees. Everything is in collaboration with itself versus 
the way that humans have set themselves up for the most part, not everybody, but for the most part is that humans believe they're at the top and everything else is of their control. And it really isn't. It really isn't at all. If you take yourself as a human into the web, you're part of that overall picture. When, when we think that we're in control is when nature is going to come back and, and guide us and tell us that, that you're actually not. I mean, we had the hugest electrical storm that I've ever been. Uh, maybe I saw one like this when I was a kid in Medicine Hat, but you know, a couple nights ago, it was just yeah. ev- quite the event and yes. big hail. And, you know, in a minute, your garden's gone. Like in a minute, nature decides, you know, that this is the way it's going to go. And, and we're responsible for being part of that story. We need to be part of the story, not in charge of it. And that when I met Herb Hammond and he taught me that, that really helped solidify that it was, it was okay to actually talk about this and to encourage people to be part of the holistic picture as a, as opposed to thinking that they're in charge of it because nobody's in charge. We're all in collaboration Mm -hmm. together it's all, it's all in somebody sometimes has to lead, but nobody's really in charge. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and when we think about like stress, you know, it's like how stressful to think that we're in charge of all this. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want that job. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, um, when you speak of this, like we are just part of this web, it's like, I feel my whole nervous system ah, yeah, you know, like I'm being, I'm just like have a part and I'm just part of this whole and it's sort of this, I mean, in Constellations work, we talk about the the really finding your place in the web of life, you know, and Mm -hmm. how much disorder can happen when we're not standing in our place, which is like, is like as we are a human in this web. And um, I love feeling into that, the constellations of the forest and- Oh, yeah. Yeah. And how much, and how much unwellness can come just for, just from that and how mm-hmm. I'm just feeling that holding this energy of wholeness in your tinctures and in your, is really inviting people back into that in their, in their relating with the herbs. Hey, Absolutely. Health is such a spectrum. You know, it's, it's not just either you're sick or you're well, it's a spectrum between the two points. And we're, most of us are within that spectrum somewhere. Very few of us are in the polar sides of either being super well or super sick. We're somewhere in the middle. And so herbs are really credible at ushering, uh, ushering us back to that midpoint in that spectrum. And if you think about the spectrum, if you're at either edge of the spectrum, it's a hard place to maintain you're soon going to slip off the edge. It, it would be very much more beneficial to be in the middle of that spectrum um, where you can have sure-footedness. So sometimes you might get a cold or sometimes your menstrual system might be a little bit more challenging one or two months in a row, or maybe you feel a little depressed sometimes, or sometimes things will make you feel a bit more anxious. That's okay. Herbs are there to help you feel better through those processes. You know, health will come back to balance. It's the natural innate wisdom of the human body to come back to balance. The further you get away from balance, the harder it is to get there. But once you've established a sense of what balance feels like, you know, the symptoms of how you're coming out of balance. And that's where herbs are so fantastic at supporting that, that ushering back to that center point. And for Mm -hmm. everyone, it will be different. And that's why customized medicine support is so important. Um, Really acknowledging the wisdom of the person 
and how they're experiencing their life is really the key to really good herbalism. And then acknowledging the wisdom of the plant and the energy of the plant and the quality the plant holds, and then the quality of the condition. Those three elements have to be examined before you can prepare herbal medicine for somebody specifically. So I get a lot of questions. It's, it's, um, I'm always so thankful for people to come in and shop in our store and so forth. And I, and I, and I get questions like, what do you have for a headache? I'm like, well, who has the headache? What kind of headache is it? Is it sharp? Is it dull? Is it throbbing? Is it hot? Is it cold? How long have you had the headache? Is it, is it coming a lot? Do you have it frequently? Or is this a one-off? Is it because you're dehydrated? You know, there's like a number of things that we have to ask before you could even begin to make medicine for a headache. It's it's a really good example. So that's the wisdom of the plants. There's like a many plants that will work with a headache and help resolve the headache. And the benefit of that is that will help to resolve the underlying condition of why the headache was there in the first place. So that that's herbal medicine in kind of a nutshell. Um, it's not an allopathic answer. And I think a lot of people are looking for that, this herb for that answer a lot of times. The simple answer of what do you have for this? I have this. What do you have? It's like yeah. there's, there's more to it than that. That's one of the dangers I found with being on the internet. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I'll go, I have my favorite sites that I go to that says, oh, for this condition, this, for this condition, this. And then I'm running out and then I buy something and then I try it and then things go wonky or <laughs> perhaps I'm lucky and it works. But mm. it's what's so wonderful is how I have to just remember, oh yeah, Colleen. And then I go in and I, pay this small fee to get this in-depth, amazing appointment that actually feels like, oh, here we go. This is the process we're relating and she's mm -hmm. finding the things that are going to work for me in this moment, given my body, psych <clears throat> psyche and life circumstances. So <laughs> totally. There was um, a group of um, herbalists, if you will, or they were herbal, herbal doctors is what they were called. And it was in, you know, the late 1800s into the early 1900s called the eclectic physicians and eclectic medicine, herbal medicine was all about specific care. So they had this thing called specific medications and every herb would have specific indications for specific conditions. It's a lot of specifics, right? But I've studied a lot of the eclectics and it's something like yellow dock, for example, yellow dock is specific to eruptions of the skin that exude a yellow fluid. And so um, burdock seed is specific to skin conditions that have a dry scaly crust. Burdock root is specific to conditions that have a fluid filled um, eruption. So you start to get clear about the specific way to apply the herbs to specific conditions. And, and that's when herbs work great. They work so fantastically effective to resolve conditions when you can apply them that specifically. So that's the nerdy part of me, mm -hmm. the eclectic physician part, the history of this, they used um, what they would call indigenous vegetable medicines. And they learned a lot of what they know from the indigenous people of that time. And so learning about origins of plant um, information is really important to me. And I, and I, trace back where this information may have come from which indigenous groups were they learning from and try and and try and know where that knowledge comes from i think that's the most respectful way to practice at this time in this world <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> 
So over time, Colleen, would you say that um, that you're like how how do you feel your like you know how knowledge and experience spirals? How do you notice that in in your growth, like your spiral of growth, or how you move in that? Hmm. So for me, it's been layered, I think, in in a sense that I started with really solid foundation of learning. I was very lucky to have mentored with one of my teachers for several years, and that gave me a really solid foundation, kind of unheard of in the early stage of my, my sort of herbal education. I took herbal studies at a time where it wasn't overly popular, overly accepted. And so now it's becoming more and more common to be able to access herbal teachers and mentorships and so forth. Lots of education systems have spread it up in the last 20 years that people can engage with. When I started, you had to kind of dig for it a little bit more. And so very lucky to have a mentorship and then moving into the world it feels to me that who comes to see me dictates my growth. And so when I first started to practice, I saw what I knew, which was what I was living, which was early parenting. So lots of breastfeeding questions and lots of, you know, I'm, I'm wanting my baby to sleep through the night. I'm losing it. I can't get enough sleep. You know, parents that were, you know, struggling with different aspects of early sort of child rearing became the focus of my practice. And then as I grew and and my child, my child grew, Freya grew up, then my focus of my practice got more complex. And now, um, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, my mom passed away from a very complex sort of pres- presentation of cancer. And so at that point, my, my practice started to get really complex and starting to bring in more teachers for myself started, I went back to school two more times. In the last 10 years, I've done two different learning um, systems with two different teachers Right now, I'm in a grad class with David Winston, who has been in herbal practice in North America for over 45 years. He's one of the um, sort of prominent herbal elders of our community, if you will. And and so for me now, I'm starting to see very complex um, health conditions come into my practice. I work alongside naturopaths and medical doctors now and have learned how to do that um, to somewhat gain the respect of them. It's a little challenging as a herbalist because we're considered sort of rogue and out there and fringe, but um, I'm a practicing clinical herbalist. So, you know, that, that brings some complex situations to my practice. So I would say for me, my spiral of learning is all about what comes to me from my, from my clients. I'm, I feel so grateful for my clients. They're so they, each one of them teach me so much about either what I know or what I don't know, probably more so about what I don't know. Um, It's a humbling experience working with people's health and keeping, you know, always really, I think the biggest way that we can keep real in this world is to admit we don't know. And I feel so empowered when I say, I don't know, because it gives me an opportunity to learn. And that gives me another door to open and another idea to explore. And that's been the most sort of um, exciting part of the spirals of learning is to know that you don't know. And, and how great is that? Who wants to know it all? That's a huge responsibility to hold. I don't want to know that. That's not my role. I want to just keep learning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Colleen, I think that's what makes me feel so safe with you is that I know that number one, when I let you know what's going on, you believe me, 
you trust in my view and you also say, hmm, this is tough. I'm not sure right now. Give me some time. And uh, that uh, that is so uh, affirming to me. Uh, to me, anyways, in my body, I land in a safer, snugger place if someone's mm -hmm. being really honest about their process with what's happening and how they're supporting me. And, and I also... Uh, really love how you describe your growth spiral and all those layers as mm. your you it's sort of like it went with your personal life and your family and yeah i can really relate to that in how i've supported parents and families in my mm. work has really been in relationship with my own family and how that's evolved mm -hmm. and that we can really serve the world from an authentic heart-based place when there's that holistic approach of our own personal evolution and how we're serving the world. So I just mm -hmm. love that. Thank you. for. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. It's really playing to our strengths. It's finding within ourselves what really helps us feel whole and what really opens us up and helps us shine, you know, like what lights you up yeah. in the day, go yeah. there, you know, go there in your day, because that's what's going to help you feel whole in this world, mm -hmm. and really stable and solid and strong when and, and sometimes you have to lean into the discomfort to grow. And that's, that's part of it, too. And I, I find that's learning, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's not a comfortable place to know that you don't know, mm -hmm. but it's a liberating place. And I think that's, that's, also part of my journey is to be open to knowing, be open to learning to know. And that's, and then, and then it's just dynamic. Mm. I love the humbleness as well. And realizing that, you know, I, I mean, when you speak of us being with nature and it, it actually brings me back to even my Bible teachings mm -hmm. of how, it's stating that, you know, we are just humans and there's God and we are not gods. <laughs> and how important it is for us to remember that uh, our egos need to be in check, that we're not in charge here and how we can mm -hmm. rest in that. And when we rest in that, then we can find each other and we can relate better. Absolutely. Yeah. And find spirit in what we do. You know, that's mm -hmm. the big part too is, um, herbalism and, and herbal sort of care, if you will, is holistic, meaning that, yeah, we for sure look at the physical body and then analyze that. But we also look at the emotional state, mental state and connection to spirit, or sort of the spiritual health, if you will, for some people that's defined as a religious component of, of more of a dogmatic approach. And for other people, it's more abstract, again, a spectrum, it, nothing's right or wrong. It just all is. It's all about relationship. So relating to that higher, higher sense outside of ourselves, that it's not just about us is also the most humbling part of being human is being able to know that there's a higher or larger force. And in holistic care, we define that as, you know, there's chi and there's prana and there's, you know, sort of internal spirit and all of these things that can guide health as well. And that's a co-collaboration with the higher sort of sense of things. And so on a grander scale, uh, to, do you believe in balance? Like right now it feels like the world is suffering from a quite a severe lack of imbalance overall. Mm -hmm. Do you, as you relate to the plants on that micro scale, do you feel like our world will, achieve balance like is that ultimately 
<laughs> how do you so yeah the way i look at it right now is that um i do believe that nature will find balance because nature is that intelligent that it will create things to create balance i mean not not to go there too much in the podcast but definitely the virus that we deal with now as the pandemic in our world you know is correcting a major imbalance that we have presented as humans in the world you know there's it's debates on on how it originated and so forth but i do believe viruses have been in the world um in the natural world for as long as the natural world has existed and they are there at times to be correctives and this is nature will humans balance that's a better question or a bigger question if you will uh, because do humans believe they need to is the big part of it there's a lot of humans mm. that believe they don't need to find balance or or collaboration with nature systems and you know my philosophy is that if if anyone was in charge it's nature you know <laughs> and and nature will find its way how it resolves this will be interesting and and if you look back to you know hundreds of thousands of years and how the earth has evolved and changed and recorrected and so forth i think that there's near there needs to be a very large movement with humans co-collaborating for things to really shift to our benefit if you will i don't i don't know if the changes in the world will be to the average human's benefit i i can't say that for sure if you look at the the sort of more populated areas of our world it's not in balance at all the waters are dirty there's no access to fresh food when you have coca-cola being cheaper at the grocery store than a bottle of water we've got a problem here and it's a larger problem than i think a lot of people have identified and so mm -hmm. we're very lucky to live where we live we have access to clean water fresh air good food farm fresh food you know healthy people healthy conversations healthy activities to be engaged with and not everyone has that expression in the world today there's a lot of disparity and a lot of you know people at a sense of not being equal either and equal access points so for me you know how do i work in the world towards more balance is to work on that path every day provide open access to herbal care make sure that our herbal access points stay legal in our country that's a really big point too at any point the government may decide that herbal herbal um, access isn't isn't um, part of their mandate anymore and they can take it away um, other countries have had that happen for example um, my store here in winlaw where you can come in and you can buy loose herbs off the shelf is you can't do that in any other country so in europe you have to buy a packaged manufactured good so loose herbs you cannot purchase um, and you can't access herbal medicine unless it's prescribed by a doctor and so Canada has some of the last remaining herbal rights in the in the world. And we need to hold on to those very tightly. So for me, in terms of the larger sort of world balance, if you will, um, that's where my my heart is, is just access points, how creating those solid access points for people to be able to um, access herbal medicine and, and herbal care, holistic care. Yeah. I can really feel that the activist in you in all of yeah. that and, and just the, like, really like how the roots of what you're doing 
is that like is is showing up for the new a new way and or a re- that remembering an old way mm. or and it makes me think of um I know in my own journey I ended up it was like I was social justice that's why I went into social mm-hmm. work and it was social mm-hmm. justice activist but then in my journey I ended up at this place of like oh actually I'm wanting to help people come into embodiment so that they can relate with the earth in a new way. And so it's hmm. almost like sliding into building the new way. And this is what I'm feeling in you okay. is like you're embodying, not just the, this is not okay, but also hmm. this is the new way, or this is how we can. And that just feels so li- like such a life affirming way of being an activist. It feels like. Totally. It's, it's like that. It's a very simple thing that I key into or sort of check in on with myself is what is my action step? what is my action step in this? Yeah, this sucks. And this is going on in the world. And it really is hard on people. But what's my personal action step towards a better way? And so how can I create change in the world that is, you know, it may not do something today, but it will reverb and create a change in time, because enough people Mm -hmm. will have been affected by my one action. And so it's a matter of just taking that first step. It's a matter of just making a decision. You know, um, we were going to hold the Kootenai Herb Conference here in Winlaw in 2020, and we couldn't because of the pandemic. And so I woke up one morning and I thought, well, I'm going to contact the Island Herb Gathering folks and decide, you know, maybe we could partner and do sort of a Western Canada online event or something like this. And and they they were into it and decided, let's do a Canadian herb conference. And let's do it as a not-for-profit, benefiting all of the different provincial associations across Canada. So now we have momentum. We ended up in Mm. 2020 raising $20,000 for all of the provincial herb associations across Canada to ensure that we maintain herbalists' rights and the right to dispense herbs to people. And we're doing it again, November November 2021. Um, We'll have the event again. It's a four-day event with access points to herbal medicine for everyone across Canada. Um, So... It doesn't take much to make an action step. I just called somebody and then of course it was a lot of work, but you know, getting all the conference ready to go. These things can happen. Um, maintaining positivity and health through this is the key. Hmm. Positivity and health. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this, I love how you frame that. It helps me to realize the action steps that I take. And I love the idea of it. It's it's like a merging of the past and where we're going in so many ways right now on the planet, you know, like with that, my work with education and seeing that there's possibilities for children learning in new ways that in many ways might resemble the freedoms of the past, but it's there's a different consciousness to it. So. Yeah, absolutely. I love that we all are doing that in our work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me mm-hmm. too. I think it's so great. Like our community is just such a wonderful um, example of people trying to make change at the small level that will reverb into the larger level. You know, I think of all the families who are working very consciously to raise really healthy and happy individuals that are connected to nature. They'll go out into the world and make great change. You know, our daughter Freya is 20 now and she's about to fly the coop and fly the fly the nest and go off to university. She's going into her second year of university and her relationship with nature is intact. I left with mine 
not intact and mm-hmm. she's leaving with hers intact. And that's a really exciting thing for me to have see that just by the way that we lived in the last 10 years, she has a different reality than I did mm-hmm. and, and that her father did. And, and that just makes me really happy because I know that other people are also doing similar things with their child rearing. And, and I think that the next generation coming up the ranks is more sort of um, readied to be in that conversation of how to create that balance point. Mm, I feel that too. And I feel that in our community and I'm hopeful Mm. for the world as well. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Mm. Well, thank you so much, Colleen, for this beautiful conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm so thankful to be here to talk to you both and talk with you both. It's been a wonderful time. It's exploring things that I don't normally talk about too. How exciting. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like sort of the, yeah, yeah. The bigger and deeper concepts. And yeah, it certainly, I mean, it certainly for me gives me a deeper sense of the work you're doing and also makes me curious about my relationship with herbs and Hopefully it sort of sparks that in people mm-hmm. that are listening to and yeah, our community. Yeah, like give like one piece of just a nugget of, of, of something to the people listening is to just take time um, at some point every day just to sit with something alive, whether that's your house plant or whether that's going out into nature and just sitting with trees or sitting with your garden Um, whatever it might be, just take, you know, even five minutes to just breathe and be with a living plant and see how you feel really drop in to how, what sensations you're feeling within your body. Um, and the more you do that, the more the plants will talk to you. It may not be literally in your head. You might not hear a voice. Um, it may more, more be in a sensation you feel in your body. Mm -hmm. Mm yeah thank you there's so much wisdom on so many levels when you just start there and thank you to all the herbs that showed up today and herb energy i'm certainly felt it holding holding us all and i'd be curious if as people were listening if there was like a herb or a plant that showed up for them and I've been sure noticing this grapevine that I'm sitting next to and feeling it oh, yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, <How wonderful. laughs> yeah, 